Hello, my friends. This is Dan Jones with another quiet talk to share with you today. How was church Sunday? Have you ever asked or been asked that question? It seems harmless enough, but what does this question imply? I think it implies a man-centered view of worship. I didn't get anything out of the service today. Have you ever heard that one? Asking how was church reveals the truth that for many, church has become a spectator sport. A well-known writer of Christian songs was leading a time of singing in a meeting. Afterwards, one of the attendees said to him, I didn't get anything out of the worship. The songwriter replied, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was about you. But I'm afraid that for too many people who attend church services nowadays, it is apparently about them. In other words, for some, church has become a form of religious entertainment. There are smart leaders who have studied the potential religious market out there and figured out exactly what people want, what they need to do to fill up the pews. Perhaps they want a certain kind of fancy lighting behind the so-called worship team, maybe even some strobe lights and smoke. And it goes without saying that the music must be hip. None of those old songs from last year. I heard one wag say recently that a megachurch service in America today consists of a Coldplay concert followed by a TED Talk. That's not far off in <clears throat> some quarters, I'm afraid. Yesterday, I got a book in the mail that I had ordered. I heard an interview of the author on a video online and was quite impressed. The problem with videos and such online is that you can't always tell when the video was made. For some reason, I thought it was quite recent and the book had just come out. Imagine my surprise when I opened it and saw that it was 12 years old. Now, I share that in an attempt to be a little satirical. To show you what I'm getting at, let me quote from this book, which is called Grand Entrance, Worship on Earth as in Heaven. The author is Edith Humphrey. Dr. Humphrey speaks of worship as an entry into a reality not of our own making. This view was in the church from the beginning. And even before Christ in the form of worship, described in the Old Testament. She writes, Among many of us who have become enamored with new approaches, fresh expressions, and diversity, that perspective has been all but lost. As children of the past five centuries, most of us are programmed to value what we call original and to apply the scientific model of discovery to everything. The academic world values research that is groundbreaking and looks for it in the arts as well as the sciences. Popular books are marketed based on their promise of a new solution to an old problem or a brand new way of looking at life. Art is valuable if it is avant-garde. Novelty has become a nearly unquestioned value of our age. End of quote. Her point is that this fascination with what is new has taken over Christian worship in many places. 
Those words remind me of the fact that there is really nothing new under the sun. Almost 2,000 years ago, there was a group of people in Athens, Greece, who were not that much different from moderns who are only into what they call the latest thing. Paul, the great missionary, came to them with the gospel. Their response to his appearance was, what will this babbler say? The author of the book of Acts comments, Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Telling or hearing something new. These people were jaded. They had heard everything they thought, and everything bored them. As someone who has been a church music leader, I have certainly faced the pressure to always sing something new. None of those old songs from five years ago, only the latest. I hope I don't shock anyone when I say that worship is not about us. Worship is about the one the Bible calls the Ancient of Days. Worship is about the one who has always existed, who is unchanging in his glory, his character, his attributes, and who is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in reality. Don't you hate being ignored? Have you ever been in a group of people talking about some subject, and when you tried to interject, the others went right on as if you didn't exist? Nobody likes that. You know, I imagine that God doesn't like that either. We claim to be coming to a meeting focused on God, but often we ignore him, because we have our own agenda. Most of you are probably familiar with these words from Psalm 100. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. If anything should describe our attitude in worship, it should be those words, know that the Lord, he is God. Do we know this? When we come into God's presence, it should not be primarily to get something for ourselves. We come to honor the one who made us, the one to whom we belong. I like the old King James translation of verse 3. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. Sometimes we act as if we did make ourselves. Years ago, the bugaboo of many evangelical Christians was secular humanism. I was told in college that humanism is based on the premise that man is the measure of all things. He is most definitely not. God is the measure of all things, and he is the object of our worship. When we gather together as Christ's body, it is so that we might momentarily step away from this passing world and enter another world, the world of eternity, the place where God lives. The old English word for worship was based on the idea of worthship. God is worthy of our worship. We are unworthy, although so often we seem to be worshiping ourselves. If you want to know what real worship is like, read those passages of the book of Revelation that depict the activity taking place in heaven. John writes, 
I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbling and peals of thunder. And around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Years ago, Steve Green sang a song called God and God Alone. There's a beautiful line in the second verse of that song that says, God and God alone will be the joy of our eternal home. He will be our one desire. Our hearts will never tire of God and God alone. Forever and ever, we will worship the Ancient of Days, the Eternal One, whose mercies are nevertheless new every morning. We will never be jaded in His presence. We will be forever satisfied with God alone. I long today for a return to God-centered worship. We come together as God's people. Let us lay aside the thoughts and cares and desires of this passing world, and let us enter into His presence into that eternity that is to come, but yet by faith is a present reality wherever two or three are gathered in his name. Heavenly Father, may our worship be that true worship in spirit and in truth that the Father is seeking in Jesus' name. Amen. My dear friends, pray for us as we are seeking to uh, week by week enter the presence of God and lay aside the things of this world to focus upon him at the Bread of Life Anglican Church, which is meeting currently at the American Legion Hall in Schenectady, New York at 1809 Union Street. We meet on Sundays at 10 o'clock, and if you're in that area, if you don't have a church home, we would certainly love to meet you. As always, you can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. May God bless you.